we've got Dr. Sean Baker with us. And Sean, if you don't mind, just give us a little introduction while I get Richard into the studio. You know, just tell us a bit about you, what you do, why you're carnivore. Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, my name is Dr. Sean Baker. I've been doing a carnivore diet now for uh, seven years. I'm actually the, I guess, the person that came with the name carnivore for this particular style of eating. Not that I'm the first person to eat an all meat diet, but I wrote the book Carnivore Diet. Uh, and uh, so, I, it, you know, that name, for whatever reason, has stuck. You know, there's people calling it zero carb and other things over the years. But uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon by, by background. Um, you know, I, I kind of came to an interest in nutrition through my own health. You know, I'm, I'm now 56 when I was early mid 40s i started to see a pretty significant you know just i was getting i was aging you know just feeling 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 the age you know and even though the fact that i was still training very hard as an athlete um was developing you know probably metabolic disease and some you know some of these other things and so i started a nutritional journey which led me from everything from a low fat lots of vegetables lean protein diet to you know everything in between until I eventually back in 2016 started playing with his all meat diet and um, uh, you know kind of the rest is kind of history with regard to to that now um, I you know have subsequently gone on to uh, you know obviously I'm a big advocate of this you know as as, a, as an intervention um, you know lifestyle for some but certainly as an intervention for treating disease. Uh, we've gone on to form a company called Rivero, which, uh, you know, we will be, you know, we're just just in a, in a very cusp of launching uh, to start seeing patients throughout the United States, all 50 states to sort of, um, you know, treat disease with uh, lifestyle nutrition, which is how we should be doing it all along instead of going to this sick care model of just putting Band-Aids on symptoms and putting everybody on drugs. We're going to be... Uh, focus more on you know just doing what i think we should be doing so i see there's your, your partner richard richard hello how are you hey there sean how are we doing you okay i i seem to be doing okay i'm i'm not 10 hours in like you guys are so, <laughs> so I'm easy, fresh, so. Easy, easy work for us carnivores isn't it easy there you work. go that's right there you go <laughs> i'm going to just plug richard for your show sean because his story is awesome. I mean, 107 pounds lost. I mean, oh, this wow. guy is the epitome, epitome of. Oh, Richard, you know your story. You you tell me your story. Oh my goodness! I think everybody is probably sick of hearing my story by now today. But a little, sh- a little short yeah. version for sure. The, the short version, the 45 second version, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I used to be type two diabetic. I was clinically obese, suffered with daily debilitating migraines, would make me blind, chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, arthritic pains in my mid to late twenties. These I could barely walk up the stairs without stopping or being severely out of breath. Super long story short, changed my diet. Um, within a year, I'd lost 107 pounds, reverse diabetes. I was migraine-free, depression, anxiety-free, full of energy. Four to five years later, I went on to become a British and European champion or pro-level in men's physique bodybuilding. So I went from being unable to walk up my, up my stairs uh, to be in number one in Europe at a professional level through living a ketogenic carnivore type lifestyle. Um, that's the short version. How was that for short? <laughs> that is uh, that's amazing. Good for you. That's awesome. You know, and I, I'm not surprised. I mean, I hear I hear stories very similar with massive weight loss, and good for you to keep pushing it to the next level because. It's amazing how, you know, how much more life you can get into your life. I mean, a lot of people are just, I mean, a lot of people are just walking around like zombies. I mean, they're just like, they're not even alive. I mean, my way, I mean, there's kind of reanimated corpses, you know, and they're just, because they're just addicted to all this horrible, highly processed, you know, garbage, you know, it's, it's, it's literally, I, you know, I, well, Stephen was there. I met, you know, Stephen, Stephen and I met for the first time in the UK back in May and, I was at part of the, the, the public health collaborative, or physician's health, public health collaborative. I don't know what the P stands for, but anyway, they're in Sheffield and, uh, yeah, public health, Sheffield. And one, you know, the one, I mean, I saw a lot of great things, but one thing that struck me out was one of the physicians out there mentioned that all these highly ultra-processed foods that we eat are not really food, they're recreational drugs. And I think that is such a good way to think about this. This stuff is literally a recreational drug. You use it at your own discretion, you know, like you would use any other drug drug hopefully minimally to none but um that is um that's a deal man it's so important so 
Anyway, what are we chatting about today, anyway, guys? Your particular topic? Well, shooting the very a 24-hour conversation about carnivore. Yeah, yeah. Just, so a little bit. Of yeah. So who was who, who this on before me? I just I, I wanted to right, let, let me get my notepad. You don't remember? Yeah, <laughs> so we, we had uh, we had yeah, three hours. Oh yeah, the onions. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was, I was, uh, I was. You know, I spent this guy spent a couple of days with Dave, and Dave and I walked. We, you know, he took me hiking. Had me appreciating the 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 the, the local uh, uh, flora. You know, it was like, hey, you need a you need a, you know up your flower knowledge. And I said, okay, whatever, Dave. So, and it's kind of funny. I've got this stupid little app now on my phone. It's actually not stupid. Actually, it's called Picture This. And you just take a picture of a plant, and it'll tell you exactly what it is. So now I walk around my house, and I live kind of in the woods. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing? I'm learning. So I know everything around me. Now it's kind of kind of crazy. But I'm going to see those guys uh, actually next month. We're going to both be in Greece together. We're doing a little carnival retreat down there in Marathon, Greece. Uh, Roberta Capsulis and her husband Apollo are putting that on. Um, I met with them last year in, in Bosnia. So looking forward to that. Yeah, the Unwins are great people. David's wonderful, and, and so is Jen. They're both just super lovely and great advocates of, of low carbon. I think Jen pretty much is full carnivore, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, she's, you know, because she's used that to recover from, you know, food addiction. So. Anyway, so good people. Yeah. They're tough to follow. They're tough to follow. So they're they're really good. <laughs> well, you've had ten hours of. Uh, we had uh, Anthony Chafee, Doctor Kiltz, Bill Scott, Ben Hunt, um, Doctor Rachel Brown, uh, Coach Emily, Sabrina Salt, Coach Bronson, Doctor Sarah Zaldivar, and then we had Doctor Jen Unwin, and we've we've got lots of people coming up afterwards as well. Kevin Stock, Judy Cho, mm-hmm. Keto Savage, you know. So, but okay, so it, it's it's a twenty four hours sort of trying to get very different guests on, sure. get the word out there. Um, yeah, we should have a couple of, couple of vegans on then, just, just to kind of for another perspective. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've heard. I, there's one or two I hadn't. I believe I, I haven't heard of, but I mean, most of people have. You know, obviously, I've interacted with almost all those folks, and they're all they're all good people. I mean, we got some good, we got some good eggs in the carnival community. I would say, for the most part, you know, I mean, it's uh, been been pretty good. Yeah, I, I think um, there was a nice comment here actually. Uh, let's have a look. There was some, basically someone saying, how are, how are Richard and I doing after 10 hours? So I don't know. How are you doing, Rich, after 10 hours? Yeah, I'm as fresh as a daisy. Um, I'm feeling good. <laughs> uh, you know, I last night I didn't sleep. I was so excited, like a little child looking forward to this. Uh, I think it was probably 4 a.m. that I, I, I managed to fall asleep, and then I was up at 7. So I've come into this with three hours sleep. We're hitting this for 24 hours, and there's no bed for me straight after I've got to go straight to work. Um, obviously, self-employed in you know the keto carnivore space, uh, so I've got a full day of it tomorrow as well. So there's <laughs> okay. So I'll be up for two, for two days by the looks of it. Um, so far, so good. I think we you know we've we've played this for 24 hours, um, and we were concerned that we were going to struggle with content, and it's been quite the opposite, isn't it? I think. Um, We've, you know, almost having to hush the guests off quickly for, for the next one to come on when, when we're in mid-flow with conversation because the conversation is just flowing. The knowledge is coming and everybody has bought, uh, brought something something to the party so far. Um, and what a, an incredible way to carry on with, with part two, with, with one of the legends within, you know, the carnival community and, and you know, in, 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 in the, the likes of Dr. Sean Baker. So absolute pleasure to have... Sean Baker on board. And how couldn't you be uh, super energetic and pumped up with, there we are, fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, in answer to your question, um, I'm, I'm good and ready to go and super excited to carry on with the next uh, 14 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you guys. Yeah. Better you guys than me. I mean, I, I've done my share of, you know, 24 hour, 30 hour, 40 hours just in my life. I've but there's a lot of folks in here making comments. So good. It looks like it's well attended. So it looks like, uh, looks like uh, we'll get some good information. You know, it's interesting that um, this movement is growing. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you, you saw there was an article published. I can't remember. Maybe in the, it might've been the Telegraph. I think it might've been one of the UK things, the rise of the carnivore. And we're seeing, it, it, it's just, just happening. You know, there's Cammy's talking about being a, a vegan. Yeah, it's kind of funny. A, a lot of people make that exact comment. They thought I was a nut job. Hey, who's this crazy dude on there on, you know, realize on Rogan's podcast and 
they thought I was totally crazy. And, you know, I, I didn't go on that podcast with any sort of agenda. Joe just asked me to come on. And I didn't even know how popular he was at the time. I really, I never, I really listened to the guy. Uh, and obviously it turns out he's quite popular, but, um, you know, I was just like, Hey, just shooting a breeze type of thing. And, you know, then of course, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you get all the very polarized, you know, sort of thing. Most people thought I was nutty. I mean, at that time, most people thought I was nutty and probably still most people think I'm nutty, but there's a, there's less, there's, there's more people that don't know that have done this. And so it's, uh, uh, you know, I'm just looking at some of these comments from Romania from Chris, three flights of stairs a day, 416 days. And, uh, I, I see, you know, one thing that's been really fun to see, you know, on social media is there's been just a number of really, really big people, like big, big, enormously overweight. You know, we're talking, um, 400 pounds, you know, 200 kilos, whatever, how many stone that is, you know, 30 stone or whatever that is, you know, something like that people that are just losing hundreds of pounds on carnivore. It's really, really cool to see instead of going in to get their stomach scrambled up, you know, these gastric bypasses where they permanently alter our, 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 you know, both our anatomy and our physiology or, you know, taking all the drugs that are out there now. I mean, we've got these, this real push um, for drug management for everything. You know, it was just kind of funny. I was just seeing, um, you know, how bad it's gotten is, you know, there's people saying obesity has nothing to do with the diet or lifestyle. You know, you got, uh, what is it, uh, Dr. Tamika Stanford out of Harvard University telling people, well, it doesn't matter if you exercise or eat, doesn't doesn't matter. If you're obese, you're going to be obese for the rest of your life. And the only thing you can do about it is get on drugs, which to me is just a bad thing. And then we got guys like Dr. Muhammad Allo. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Uh, I think Sean's frozen, actually. Oh, no, he was back. There we go. You, back. you froze for a bit. Yeah, I saw that. Everything kind of went to the black screen and the circles. Uh, yeah, like Dr. Muhammad Allah is out there talking about, um, you know, we should have the same level of LDL cholesterol that an infant has. And an infant's level are, you know, you know, like 20% of what an adult is. And no, no adult human can have that. I mean, it just doesn't exist in nature. So the only way to get there is by taking, you know, lots of drugs. And I mean, that's, that's sort of the thing. It's like, well, you know, we can lower your cholesterol so low that you're the same as a baby. Well, there's a lot of things that are different between a baby and an adult. I mean, a baby has a quarter of the brain mass than an adult has. So do we, does that have an impact? A baby's heart rate is 150. Uh, do we need to have a heart rate of 150? I mean, there's all kinds of differences between uh, babies and uh, adults, and yet there's people advocating that we want baby physiology. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, that concept of, you know, if we're going to lower our cholesterol, they, they say, well, if you lower your cholesterol so low, you can't get heart disease. But I, you know, I make the analogy, if you, you know, if you cut off your genitals, well, you can't get a sexually transmitted disease then. <laughs> so, you, know, you, know, like, well, you know, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, sure. If you cut, if, well, if you cut your heart out, you're not getting heart disease either. I mean, it's kind of one of those, it's kind of those silly, silly, silly things. You know, you take your kid, you know, what, what, what can you live without? You cut your arm off, you won't get arthritis in your arm, right? Okay. Well, I I used to use my personality to stop me having sex. But <laughs> um, we've got a fair few uh, people just doing nice comments, no actual questions. Uh, I I would have to agree with Adam here. He's written something. I just want it's not going to be a fan half hour, Sean. But you know, I don't think there's a carnival that's not a little bit inspired by you. And I mean, I'm going to put my hand up and say, you know. You definitely inspired me, and it was the Joe Rogan 
podcast without a shadow of a doubt. And the thing is, I've got lots of clients coming in, and and one of my questions is, what what influencer did you see? What did you see that made you want to be carnivore? So I think that one podcast. I, I mean, I would attribute about two hundred people that I've dealt with that one podcast. So I think you coming on here and everyone else coming on is, is just, just spreading that word. And you, you were saying about people having a huge amount of weight loss. I mean, the guy I spoke to yesterday who said dirty keto, dirty carnivore, non-alcoholic fatty liver went type two diabetes went, he'd lost his job because he couldn't move and he lost 245 pounds, got his job back, kept his wife, kept his kids on board because they were just he actually said i was just isolated i was I, I was like a zombie i was like a zombie and he went carnivore and had loads of pushback actually not from his family but from everyone else and now he's a huge example well that life and that's not just him that's his wife that's his kids and then he said all my family now are all doing this and they're all losing weight and all feeling better so i, I just want to thank you for for that as well and on all the clients' behalf as well, because without that podcast, you know, you, you, I don't know what would have happened because it seemed to have been a springboard. Do you, do you feel that that was a game changer? Sorry to use the pun on that terrible film, but do you think it was a game changer for the carnival community? Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, you know, like I said, credit to Rogan and, and his audience, but I mean, then I think Michaela Peterson then saw that video and that sort of in part inspired her. And then, of course, her dad did it. And of course, he's got a huge audience. And so that's, you know, this is sort of the catalyst. And now, um, you know, it's it's just grown. I mean, there's how many social media channels are there people talking about? There's carnivore this guy, carnivore that guy, carnivore this gal, everywhere, everywhere. It's 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 you know, like I said, it's it's interesting how if you know if it were 20 years earlier and we didn't have the social media internet presence that we have today, you know, it, it, it probably would have gone very small. I mean, it wouldn't 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 be where it is today because you know it's, it's so much easier to share. Uh, information and share results and um, so I think you know it's just it's just the right time right place because like I said I am by no means the first guy to talk about a long meat diet now I named it the carnivore diet but I never you know I mean you can go back to I mean even the 1700s Dr. Rollo you know James Rollo Scottish uh, surgeon 1798 was treating diabetics with carnivore diets I mean with all meat diets back then so I mean that that's that's in the literature I mean there's you know James Salisbury U.S. physician um, you know, uh, you know, Blake Donaldson, E.B. Newbold, all these docs, even Atkins to some degree, have all sort of been um, advocates of this way. But it has never taken off to the extent it has now. Uh, and I just I, I just think there's no way it's not going to continue to grow just because it just works. I mean, you know, it just works. And I think, again, I think there's a there's a confluence of events. You know, I, I think a lot of people are frustrated with the healthcare system in general and the information they're getting. And we went through a pandemic where a lot of people disagree with how it was managed. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people that are just like, I don't trust you guys anymore. And I think for good reason. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at, I mean, if you look at the history of some of these, you know, particularly pharmaceutical companies, I mean, you know, they've been convicted over and over again of serial fraud. I mean, you know, like criminal activity, quite honestly. And just keep going, just keep going. And it's like, wait, are you going to continue to trust these guys? So, I mean, I mean, of course, there's good with bad, but I mean, there's there's sort of, uh, um, you know, that stuff going on for sure. Mm. I mean, I've got, I've got a few questions, Sean, if you're okay. Just, just some simple ones. Sure. The Mystic Wag, I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, they put that they're working on possible adrenal issues. Are there any studies or do you guys have on the effect of carnivore on the function of the adrenals? And obviously, Rich, you can chime in as well. Uh, sure. I mean, there's no studies on that. I mean, again, there are very few studies on the carnivore diet. I can probably tell you. I mean, there's in modern times, i.e. in the last five to 10 years, there's there's about a dozen studies that have been done. None, none have been looked at, you know, adrenal issues. And when you say adrenal issues, you know, that's pretty broad. I mean, you know, obviously, what, what do our adrenal, adrenal glands sit on top? They sit on top of our kidneys and they pump out, you know, various different uh, hormones, you know adrenaline you know it comes from adrenal i mean that's one of those norepinephrine uh you know there's there's an impact on cortisol obviously and some of the some of the uh other things in there and so depending on um 
you know, what the issue is. I mean, I've seen people talking about um, hypercortisolism, you know, like, you know, one of, one of the critics I've seen recently, these people, the sugar people, the Ray P people saying, well, you need to eat sugar. Sugars are preferred fuel and you need to do that to prevent, you know, uh, stress on the body and, and therefore hypercortisolism. Um, and, you know, and they'll, they'll say that, you know, being low carb stimulates the cortisol and this is going to cause, you know, issues down the road. And this may have, you know, an impact on the adrenal, uh, adrenal lands. Um, the reality is that, and I, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you have her on this program, Amber O'Hearn, who I find is just a, a wonderfully intelligent, bright person who's looking, she's been, she's been doing you know, a zero carb diet or a carnivore diet now for like, I think she's close to 15 years and has really, I think a really bright, bright person. Everybody should check her out and follow some of the stuff she does. But she's talked about, uh, you know, and showing the data on that. And, you know, basically when our, when our glucose starts to get a little low, which often is the case on, on a zero carb diet, I mean, our glucose tends to run lower for many people. We usually correct that with, um, uh, typically glucagon, you know, that's, that's what's happened. It's not until really, really late uh, into like profound hypoglycemia, you're sweating and you're getting these really true hypoglycemic, the cortisol even comes into play. So it's not really an issue. I mean, it's, you know, it can be, I mean, you, you know, if you, if you drive somebody's glucose down so low, then cortisol will dump and you'll have this, this sort of late phase response, but that's usually what's not happening. So, um, but, uh, you know, without a specific question, you know, adrenal issues is kind of, it's kind of a vague thing there. Um, I would say that, you know, my, my, my pat answer for this is just good nutrition generally helps everything. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's some weird genetic disease. Um, good nutrition tends to help. So I suspect, again, without knowing exactly what the issue is, carnivore potentially could help now there may be some nuances and you may have to shift things a little bit i mean there's different ways to uh, approach this diet although you know the easiest way is just eat meat to your full eat fatty meat to your full and you're done i mean that's that works for that advice works for a lot of people for for probably the majority of people but you know some people have to uh uh you know have to have to make some further adjustments there do you want me i see this question about where where i hope to see rivero in the future is that is that something I should answer or is that, or do you? Yeah, please do. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously where I want, want Rivera to go in the future, I mean, my goal is it would be a significant uh, alternative to the standard allopathic medicine. I think I, I, hopefully it will be uh, a huge company where we treat millions of people, uh, hopefully even worldwide. I mean, I think there's no reason we can't expand internationally. I mean, for the first a couple of years, it's going to be obviously U.S. based, um, and I hope we can treat pretty much all conditions, uh, all types of people, um, and we have literally thousands of physicians working for us. I mean, that, that's that's what I want to see, and the reason is, you know, because if we're able to do that, you know, we will, um, number one, have taken care of literally millions of people, which I think we need. I mean, we are desperately in need of a healthy population. I mean, you can see, I mean, it's just, it's anytime you go out to the grocery store, to the wherever, wherever you go, where people gather, um, you just see so much sickness and illness there. And it is taking an effect on the, the national psyche in the U- U.S. and the U.K. Uh, people are just unhappy. We got something like one in four people are now on some sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, mental health drug. And that's not right. I mean, we're that that is just clearly not right. And then we see kids that are you starting out with this little kids, you know, twelve year old, thirteen year old kids that want to kill themselves or, or obese or pre diabetic or diabetic. That we can't sustain that. And so we have to do something to change this. And I think it's um, again, this is largely a grassroots movement. Um, you know, we we do have, you know, with within our country, we do have a little bit of a it's a bit choppy, Rich, isn't it? The uh, signal there. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, but at the same time, this is very much a grassroots movement, and I think this is you know, what we're all doing. We all, none of us are, you know, you know, just fabulously resourced. We're all just little guys trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, trying to, you know, just make a difference. 
Yeah. It's good. Rich, do you want to read this one out? Yeah. Um, why have you asked me to read this one? <laughs> so from um, Arston, a uh, born man, uh, I have Hashimoto's and bad chronic fatigue, uh, been ruminant carnival for 11 months and progress and mood and confidence, uh, but still not well. Uh, some there's some healing take longer, I'm guessing. So, what are your thoughts on that, Sean? Is there anything that he needs to alter? Or is it well, I mean, maybe. I mean, certainly. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. You know, with which you know, most hypothyroidism is due to Hashimoto's, and you know, I mean, obviously the impacts that we have. You know, hypothyroidism fatigue goes hand in hand. Slow metabolism, sluggishness. You know, skin issues, cold intolerance, all those types of things. And so, uh, you know, you're seeing some progress here. Um, you know, again, can does carnivore cure every single thing out there? Probably not. Can it impact positively most things? Yes. Um, you know, without knowing sort of more of your history, Karsten, um, I would look at, you know, all these other things that, that go into um, uh, health because it's not just diet. Diet in my view, is one of the most important factors, but there's how's your sleep? How's your activity? You know, are you are you intentionally not being sedentary? Are you getting some regular exercise? Um, are you, you know, I mean, there's circadian biology has some level of that. Um, sometimes people find that uh, your ruminant carnivore, I think, is a good thing. I mean, that's, you know, kind of, you know, you know, beef and water for the most part. Um, those types of things. You know, I think with autoimmune diseases, a lot of people have to be very, very strict for a period of time. And so it could be you can't have eggs, you can't have dairy, you have to be very mindful about what you do. And then and then playing with the fat to protein ratio. This is one of those things where I said, you know, just eat fatty meat works for a lot of people, but some people have to be more intentional with how much fat they eat relative to the protein. And a lot of times, sometimes the fat percentage has to be a little higher for most people, for most things. Sometimes it has to be a little lower. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I would, I would say, you know, are you assessing, you know, I mean, uh, I mean, with Hashimoto's, there's usually uh, thyroid antibodies that you can look at and you can see if those things are, are progressing and just, just assess it and see if, see if that's going on there. But, um, you know, a lot of times with fatigue, one of the thing, one of the problems a lot of people get into with carnivore is they tend to under eat, particularly people that have weight to lose. You know, they, 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 they come into this, well, I need to lose you know, 30 pounds, you know, two, two stone or whatever. And, uh, I'm trying to keep it in your UK terms here. And, um, you know, so they come in and they just kind of like, well, I'm just going to restrict I'm going to restrict a little bit. And sometimes that's an issue. Sometimes we need to eat more. So I don't know without, again, with that, without more context, it's hard to say for sure, but yes, some things can take a while. Um, we the good news is, um, a lot of people on carnivore will say they continue to heal or get healthier several years into it. Um, and, and some of the reasons that, that, that we may see that, we know things like some of these crappy food products, you know, get in, get incorporated into our tissues, into our fat, into our cell membranes. And the half-lives can be long. It can be, you know, a couple of years. So sometimes, you know, like like some people talk about some of these oxidized fats, these, you know, these sort of, uh, you know, you know, industrial the oils that get incorporated in our tissues can take several years to, you know, if their half-life is two years, well, by two years, you have 50%, by four years, you have 25%, so on and so forth. And so sometimes you can, you know, maybe you can facilitate that through exercise, sweating, I don't know, I mean, things, you know, losing weight, you know, those things might, might be helpful. That's brilliant, Sean. Uh, I mean, your half an hour is not enough. Uh, someone's asked, just asked me a question. Uh, have I been standing for the last 10 hours? Yes. Yes. And you might remember when I was at MeetRx, I always stood for the meetings. And uh, yeah, Me too. <laughs> you stand all the time. Uh, Richard's there sitting on his um, <laughs> sitting on his brain. So, yeah, he's good. working out too hard. That's why. <laughs> My bum is hurting. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel... Um, Where's it gone? There's a lot of support in the chat for people that are, that are suffering. Do you, do you feel like the carnival community is the most sort of supportive community you've dealt with and worked in? Well, I mean, I can't say I've got a lot of different community. I mean, you know, online communities, I, I don't really have much to compare it to. This is mostly what I've done in the online. I mean, there is um, – uh, 
I, what I will say is the community is a, is a, is a very important part of many people's healing journey or, or health journey or, or uh, you know, because even today, even though there's this movement is growing, like I'd mentioned, you're still going to be in the minority. If you go out to a, to a, to a, to a uh, public gathering, you know, family dinner or something like that, you're going to be the only dude or only woman doing carnivore. Right. So a lot of times you don't get support. And one of the things I did, you know, when I, when I did a survey on 12,000 of us doing carnivore, one of the things I found was that, um, that support was it was was very important for making an outcome, whether it's friends and family or physician for support. If you don't have support there, your outcomes are less likely to be to be good. It looks like you've got uh, your composition consultant here. <laughs> yep. What's good, guys? Good to see you. A lot of muscle here. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you guys. So um, yeah, I wonder, I mean, what's been happening, Sean, is passing the baton from one guest to another. Yeah. I've been sort of overlapping so we can get you to give us a little bit of um, what you think about iodine. And then uh, we'll say goodbye to you and then we'll hand over to Jonathan and see what his take is. Yeah, I mean, so, iodine, obviously iodine is important. And yes, it's, you know, where does, you know, we talk about T3, T4, where do those numbers come from? Well, T has four iodine molecules, T3 has three iodine molecules. So iodine, yes, is 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 necessary for proper thyroid function. Um, you know, does it make sense to supplement it if you're hypothyroid, if you have some issues? Potentially. I mean, I think it can be potentially good. I mean, um, just remember that, you know, there is iodine in meat. Uh, it's about 15 micrograms per 100 grams uh so you know if you eat enough meat you're going to probably get close to the amount you need now the other thing is i would argue that many of us become thyroid sensitive uh, just like we become insulin sensitive uh you can become thyroid sensitive so you might need a little less thyroid hormone circulating i think that's a real phenomenon uh but even still if you are profoundly thyroid deficient um, maybe for a period of time, some iron I could be helpful. That's that's you know. I guess I'll leave it with that and let you guys get on to your next guest. Thank you for having me. By the way, this has been been fun. I, I yeah. Did the two guys, did Rich uh, and Jonathan, do you want to have a quick chat with Sean before he goes? Do you want to say anything? Yeah. I'll just say hi to Sean. It's nice to see you. Um, you yeah, look huge. Well, it was good to meet you. I, we, got, we got to meet in the in the same same event that Stephen and I met at, at, at the thing in Sheffield. So good to see you again. Hopefully yeah. you're doing well and uh, life is treating you good. And I know you're, I, I think you're prepping for a bodybuilding contest in the near future. So good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, but just every year we're now maybe sixteen months or something. Wow! Yeah, fantastic, brilliant stuff. Yeah, I mean, all I'd like to say is just thanks, thank you, Sean, for coming on board. Uh, Thirty minutes is definitely not long enough. I think we've experienced similar with with all the guests of me. Um, we had Dr. Chafee on for three hours, and we still had questions and things to, to discuss there. But um, yeah, to, to be concluded, I think there's there's lots uh, that, that we can hit home. Uh, and maybe put forward to you again but thanks for your time very much appreciated thanks for having me guys thanks for doing this and thanks for the for the audience thanks for being part of this community all of us are important every single one of us is important and in order to grow this we all need to sort of just continue to fight the good fight so thanks everybody for being there uh, I'll leave you to it. Have fun stay awake for the next 14 hours guys take care <laughs> Easy well appreciated so Jonathan for those that don't know you, uh, can we have a little introduction from you? I'll give you a, yeah, sure. I'll give you um, a whistle stop tour. Firstly, thanks very much to both of you for hosting this. Appreciate it. it takes a lot of time and um, effort to put this all together. It's not just the click the button and go. It's a case of getting everything organized. So I do appreciate that very much. I'm sure everyone else does as well. Um, I'll be as succinct as possible. I'll just say... Um, I'm a 28-year-old carnival bodybuilder. I've been following the diet since February the 2nd, 2020, so it's roughly three and a half or so years. Um, I first experimented with the diet when I was age, I believe I was 14 or 15, maybe 16 years old. I did a diet of tuna and eggs for a bodybuilding competition for five months. Um, didn't really work. I didn't have enough saturated fat, not enough cholesterol. Came back to it a few years later. I noticed at that time I had some positive effects on my digestion. Um, I tried it again. I noticed when I had vegetables and fruits and things, I felt more inflamed, felt worse. So I got rid of those back in February 2020. Um, and I actually used it partially to help diagnose the issue that I have in my spine. 
Um, I have something called spondylitic, spondylitic spondylolis thesis in the L5-S1 vertebrae. Um, that means I've got trapped nerves in my spine, which causes me a real pain in the backside. Um, and up until then, it just caused me that. Now it caused me pain in the hip as well. Um, I had a spinal fusion surgery in December the 12th last year. So I'm roughly seven months post-spinal fusion. Um, I have found actually the diet has got my inflammatory markers as close to zero as they can possibly get. So it's been very effective in that kind of regard. Um, and with that being said, I'm kind of looking at the diet now from a multifaceted approach. So the fact that I suffer with autistic spectrum disorder, I've noticed my cognition is far better. Uh, my ability to communicate is far better. My senses, sensory kind of input isn't as frustrating to deal with. Um, I suffer with something called synesthesia. So oftentimes I'll experience senses as I speak or do anything, um, which can be quite frustrating, but it does make life quite... Um, quite a hell of a journey but um yeah i think that's pretty much it other than that i'm a nutrition consultant i specialize mostly on the carnivore diet um i work with bodybuilders and average folk just as i'm sure both you guys do um i tend to go more towards the body composition side of it so i'm kind of at that funnel after when people have got healthy okay now i want to build my muscle lose fat that's where i'm at basically right now and do you know rich I have not met Rich, but I believe I may have crossed him at the PHC UK. Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's mad, isn't it? Because, I mean, it's we're such a small community, you know, within the UK. Um, yet there's so many people that, uh, that that I haven't met or um, heard of either. But, you know, it. Uh, yeah, we've got to fix that, I think, haven't we? I think uh, events like this will allow us to network because I, I come from the bodybuilding, uh, bodybuilding background also. Um yeah, it, uh, it it took over my life for, for a number of years. Uh, I've come away from it now. As you can tell, I'm considerably smaller. But, um, yeah, it uh, same as you, adopting the lifestyle, removing the, the plant toxins, phytoalexins allowed me to thrive uh, in um, a sport that is heavily carb-dominated. You know, at the time, I was one of only two or three low-carb ketogenic athletes. Uh, and I remember time with uh, the, the, the British Championship um, I, I won um, the British Championship in my category and a gentleman who won in, in his, a friend of mine, is also ketogenic. Uh, the guy that came second to him was also So the three ketogenic people at the time um, came first, second and third. And obviously, you know, two of them were in, were in one category. But it just, we were ostracized from the community because he was so heavily carb dominated that I was the, the weirdo in the corner that didn't consume carbohydrate. Um, but it soon started to turn heads. You know, when you when you turn up year after year, you become leaner and bigger and you're gaining more mass than anyone else and you, your condition's coming on point and you start winning comps, it does start to turn heads. Uh, so, no, fantastic and kudos to you. I think um, this is the ideal lifestyle for tackling and blocking LN, NLRP3 inflammasome, which is responsible for a lot of the inflammatory signaling within the body. Um you know, I, I don't suffer a severe with you in regards to inflammation, but it. Um, you know, I, I I have always had inflammatory problems, which are barely non-existent anymore. And it uh, for me, it's been absolutely life-changing, and it sounds like it's been life-changing for you so far as well. So kudos to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm glad you've had success with it as well. Um, it sounds like, I mean, I'm sure you guys talked about slow time already now. It's been like 10 hours in nearly. Um, you need carbs to build muscle. You need carbs to train. Obviously not. Obviously not. I mean, I'm a 110 kilos. I'm really, really, really strong. I'm really, really, really fast. I'm quite muscular as well. Um, so I'm, I kind of shine like Sean, like yourself. I'm sure quite a few others that you don't need carbs to build muscle. No, no, you don't. No carbs. And, uh, for sure. I think we've got some we've got some questions for you, Jonathan. If that's okay. And obviously, I'd like Rich to chime in as well. Sure. Um, I think he was a bit starstruck with Sean there. I've never seen him so quiet. But anyway, I didn't, uh, so... I didn't get a chance to get anything in. It, um, <laughs> I think it was so short, and I didn't. Obviously, there was a few people who had paid, isn't it, to ask a few questions. Yeah. I didn't yeah. want to take up the time. Um, yeah, I was ready to jump in anywhere, to be honest, but I, I didn't want to take up the questions. But uh, you, you know me, give, give me the mic for two minutes, and I'll take it for two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think what happened when I was trying to organise this um, was. I didn't know who we'd get. I'm going to be really honest here. And, and Anton Chafee 
was so generous because he was the first person. Well, you, you, you arranged that, Rich, and he said, oh, I'll do the first three hours. So I just assumed, oh, maybe uh, if we do that, we're not going to get enough guests. So I, I reduced the time down to a sort of like a maximum of an hour, and I got so many people wanting to do it. In the end, it was it was all we could do is half an hour. So Sean was the last one in. So we only had half an hour. You know, and he's one of the biggest names in Carnivore. So anyway, anyway, right, here we go. So Sonny's asked, hi, if I'm not counting calories, how do I calculate percentages? It's an excellent question. Um, mm. Anyone that's worth their their weight, I'd say, is not counting calories. Um, it's a very outdated concept. I won't go into here. I'm sure you guys have tons of videos. I do as well. Um, percentages now, they can be a useful guide. <laughs> Um, the way you'd work that out is work out how many, I mean, percentages, ratios can be used interchangeably. Um, I believe it's something like 80-20 in regards to fat to protein. If you're doing something like, say, 200 fat, 100 protein, um, that's how you'd work it out. Um, basically, two to one, that would be 80-20. And then from there, you'd know, uh, would it be about 60-40 would be something like one to one or 66-33 it would be one to one, something like that. Um, I'm personally not the biggest advocate of percentages, ratios, calories. Um, as, as you guys have said, actually, I was listening to you guys earlier. Um, you do have a protein and an individual fat requirement. I'm sure you've probably said it, and I'm sure um, Dr. Shapey said it at the very start. You're not looking at these things as some kind of mix-match thing. Um, the amount you need for each specific nutrient is very individual. I've spoken to some carnivores that are having as much as maybe 90% fat if you're talking about calories. Um, and there's people as low as maybe 30% fat. Um, but people are doing 30% though, they're doing it for a short phase to drop body fat very quickly. So protein sparing modified fast. Um, what I'm finding with uh, several hundred people I've spoken to over the past, I don't know, seven, eight, nine months, I've been carnivore coaching, so to speak, is people tend to fall around a one-to-one -one ratio of protein to fat, um, especially at the start when they're less fat adapted, they're not taking as much fat in a given period of time. Um, so what I'm looking at for most people is find your protein grams. Um, I know you guys have pretty similar views to me. I literally listened to a bit with Coach Bronson earlier. Um, I believe you said one to 1.25 grams per pound of lean body mass. Um, my recommendation is 1.75 grams per kilo of fat-free mass. The reason why I use fat-free mass is fat-free mass, that does alter. Um, that would include your, your bone itself. Your, your bone is an adaptive um, material in the body, so that can go up and down. So I think, although, yes, you can use your lean body mass, I mean, why not include bone as well? That's an adaptive um, substance itself in your body. So, yeah, that's what kind of where I stand of it. And I think the variation between that in terms of um, maybe it could be maybe 10 to 15 percent either side. Um, so some people might be doing maybe one point five. Some people might be doing about two, something like that. Um, so for myself, as a point of reference, I don't stick to that myself. The reason being is I have a large fat free mass. Um, I've tried doing 1.75 grams, but I notice my appetite goes up for more. If I go for a walk, it goes up even higher. If I do anything in my day, it'll go up even further and further and further. Um, so that's why I'm giving a large bracket for a lot of people. Um, and then from there, once you found that protein grammage, you'll look at your fat grams. You might start at that one-to-one. -one. So for example, someone on maybe 120 protein might be on 120 fat. What you then look at is, I mean, there's a few things you can look at. Um, subjective markers like your sleep quality, your recovery from gym if you go to the gym and exercise, um, your scale weight, your digestion, anything you can kind of give a rough estimate on. So you might give yourself a score on day one. How do you feel on day one? Then from there, you'd go to, say, day two, day three, day four. Give each marker a scale, a score out of 10. Um and you can say, okay, that macro ratio, that grammage didn't work, it, or it did work. Um, from there, you then up or minus protein or fat grams. Um, you can sometimes up them at the same time and sometimes lower them at the same time. You'll notice this if you drop too much weight or gain too much weight at a given period of time. So that's kind of where I stand on ratios and macros. Um, they can be useful tools at the beginning. But um, for me, that's my summary of macros, 
what to do, how to start, and where I'd go from from there. Of course, follow your appetite as well. Well, Rich, I thought you were going to unmute there. Did you want to add yeah, to that? I am. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. It's, uh, I think, you know, doing it that way uh, is probably more for that. This how I began measuring early on was, um, you know, the, the fat-free mass. Um, but it is more difficult to measure, uh, and that's why I tend to round it. So I believe, I mean, we, we 1.75 per kilogram is about 0.8 um, for fat-free mass, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that's probably in the same ballpark as one gram per pound, more or less, give or take, I think. Would you agree, more or less? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, um, yeah. So as a ballpark figure, and again, as you say, everyone is individual, and it's a case of finding that, um, you know, putting that fork in the ground and seeing how you how you react to that. Uh, unfortunately, everybody wants results immediately, don't they? So it, uh, it's incredibly difficult to to gauge results uh, early on in, in, in regards to building lean mass unless you've got access to uh, a body composition machine, um, which I'm lucky enough to have one. We bought one for the shop, and that's how I was measuring for, for competitions, um, which is fantastic. It's about 99% accurate to a DEXA scan. Um, fantastic. Way. And what, what I proved with that while prepping for a comp, uh, now, as you know from the bodybuilding community, what we are told is when we are cut in, you cannot build lean mass. My lean mass increased ever so slightly, but I didn't lose any, um, which is absolutely um, goes against everything that we've been taught in regards to calories. And coming back to what you said earlier in regards to calories, calories are so antiquated. It's not the calories that govern whether we gain or lose weight. The caloric model is highly flawed. It doesn't account for many things amongst uh, uh, insulin, the effect of insulin. It's, it's the endocrine system that governs whether we gain or lose weight. Uh, the caloric model doesn't account for thermic effect of protein, ketogenesis, metabolic rate, uh, the effect of, of um, lectins on, on insulin. Um, so highly antiquated. And as you say, anyone within our space that works in calories anymore, um, I, I have no time for. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just the so far behind the times in regards to body composition, health and well-being. The caloric model, as you rightly say, is highly flawed, and I think there are better metrics to use. If you want to track, that is, I think um, in in your space uh, for athletic performance, it's it's good to track. Um, but I try, I don't track anymore per se. The only thing that I measure um, is my body fat percentage on the in-body occasionally. But you can do this incredibly cheap. Uh, now, one of the best tools that I found was a body fat percentage caliber, which you can buy for about £5 online. Uh, I didn't use this for the conversion into body fat. I just used it to measure the millimeter of my fat right. fold. Um, and that's a fantastic gauge because what I find found, and it's probably similar to you, when you get to a certain point, um, your body fat percentage will come down incredibly, but the weight will stay the last couple of pounds almost don't seem to shift yet you know you go from looking um you know you go to look like skeletal you know those uh you you, be, you get death face um you look incredibly lean but the the weight has, has barely changed on the scale but that measure tape although body fat uh, calipers will show a difference so they're a handy tool to have incredibly cheap um, I, I don't don't know about you, but I, I try not to go by the scale too much either. The scales, I think, don't give a full picture in regards to you know weight loss, fat percentage, muscle gain, etc. But yeah, not loved that. Well on board. Yeah, yeah. Um, just very very briefly because I want to get through as much as I can. Um, I like by impedance scales, not that that accurate. Mine reads me at nineteen percent body fat. I'm not nineteen percent body fat. Um. But it does provide me with a trend, so I can reliably find a trend line so I can see what's happening. Um, DEXA scan is, of course, much better metric. Um, what I do like to use is before a competition is a body fat caliper, like you said, so you can get digital ones online for like five or six quid. And you just you just measure the thickness of your abdomen, find a, an easy-to-access part of your body that you can just pinch. Okay, starting day, day one, 10 millimeters. Week later, nine, eight, seven, it'll be seven, 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 six, six, you know. So it'll go down very slowly, but the lowest you'll probably get it over your whole body um, is about three millimeters. That's what I could get it to. Um, the back of the calf, the bicep, maybe two millimeters, but beyond that, you can't get much leaner. Yeah, point, yeah. Point 0.5 I got to was my lowest. Um, 
which was incredible. Uh, which yeah. In fact, it's not point five; it'd be one because they go up in sections of two, don't they? On, on the yeah, uh, on the non on the non digital. So that would be about yeah one one mil, um, which gave me a body fat percentage of about two percent, two point five kilograms of fat in my entire body, which isn't healthy. I'm not telling people right. to do that. For, it's not healthy to compete, but it is fit for purpose, isn't it? Um, yeah. I didn't win on size. I won on on, on condition. Uh, you know, nobody else could bring the condition that I did, and it's going to be the same story with you when you get on stage because we have the ability to burn fat, unlike anybody else on the planet. This is what we do with fat burners, you know, and and that's why we take that con- condition to stage. Um, yeah, we got a question yeah. from Andy there, by the way. Which is uh, which? Which is intriguing for a lot of people, Jonathan. Know your story. Uh, doesn't lifting very heavy weights have a bad effect on your spine? I do like this question a lot. This is a very, yeah. very fair question. Um, so Stephen Thomas there and I, we did a video on this maybe six months ago. Um, I've covered it. We kind of documented my spine fusion surgery before and after on my channel in a few different ways. Um, and what I found is I've had to, over the years, change my, my training routine, revamp it, revamp it, revamp it. I'm at the point now where I don't do loaded squats at all. I don't do deadlifts, bent over rows, anything which loads the spine. Um, what I found is I'm able to use more time and tension, use more specific exercises. Um, it's less compound lifts. I can still lift very, very safely. Um, I've got a few videos of me training on my channel and you can watch me do my stuff. It's some older stuff, maybe one, two, three months old. And you'll see my, my form is is immaculate. Um, I can honestly say that. And if I had a client come to me and show me that video and say that was them, I'd say perfect. Um, it really, really is top notch. And I think people think they apply good form, but they really don't. Um, so form doesn't just mean in the gym that you're lifting something from A to B and you're doing it slowly. No, it means so much more than that. It means... Your, your instinctual thought and your intuition as you're lifting a weight, for example, on a shoulder press, is that the bar is actually going in one direction and you're using muscles to resist it. So it's not you're focusing moving your hand up, it's you're using your shoulder to bring your arm up. Um, so it applies internally. So you, you can't see that in someone's training methodology, but what you'll find is the biggest bodybuilders, the ones with the most success, will often be the ones with the most mind-muscle activation. Um, so that's how you'll see a pro bodybuilder on stage um, show their training videos. They're pushing it out, riffing it fast, but they have tremendous mind-muscle connection. That's how they get away with it. People like me, I, I can't train like that anymore. I have to use less inertia, be a lot more careful. Um, in terms of concentric and eccentric phase, so the lifting phase and lowering phase, um, I like to apply maybe three to five seconds up and maybe three to six seconds down for most things. That's a broad, broad sort of range of what I'm doing. So... Yeah, limit inertia, safe form, safe exercises, be specific. Um, and yeah, and it, it does seem to work. I've gained two kilos of fat free mass since my surgery. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's brilliant, Jonathan. Great answer as well. And just to sort of broadening out and look on the flip, if you've had surgery and you do nothing and you just lay on the bed because you're too scared to do anything, that's actually going to be more deleterious, I promise you. You know, the old phrase about motion is lotion is is really true. You do have to do it, but obviously good form, understand your technique and, you, you know, don't push yourself too hard where, where you're not doing the right exercise, really. That, that That's it. So Sandra's asking, in breaking through body composition plateau, plateaus, have you cycled the protein-fat ratios to keep the body from acclimatizing? Yeah, so I have done that. Um, well, I'll try to give a very quick one. We didn't get along, do we? Um, if you're doing a long diet and you've got a lot of fat to cut off, I recommend to people that they have a diet break in between it. I'd say if you're doing any kind of diet phase, which is maybe more than 12, 14 weeks, have a break in the middle. It doesn't mean come off a diet, but it means maybe go to baseline, maybe what you started with, something like that maybe a two-week phase and that's if you're um dieting for a long long time now what i like to do is sometimes have what we call in bodybuilding like a a fat cycle or a macronutrient cycle some i think they call it carb cycling so you'll have maybe two days where you'll increase your food intake um that will help get your leptin signaling correct as in your appetite will be lower your metabolic rate will get higher your fired output will go higher your breathing your performance your ability to train um everything will go up basically 
So then you'll be able to actually dig further into the fat loss phase. So yes, I do apply protein and fat um, cycling. Again, in terms of ratio, not a ratio thing for me. It's individual protein and fat grams as separate levers. Um, I find that, I know. I mean, you can't eat protein forever higher and higher, higher to the point that you don't get some ill effect. Eventually something will happen. Um, I've experimented up to 550 grams of protein a day for a period of, I believe it was nine months, every single day around 550 grams. And that was my baseline average. That was because I was binge eating and I just liked food a lot. And I had a way of satiating myself. Um, little did I know, um, long-term, not ideal, the glycation from the excess um, carbohydrates, um, sorry, the glucose from glucogenesis, not ideal. Um, it can stress the gut. The idea is to give your body exactly what it needs, no more, no less. Um, you'll never be perfect, but the idea is to get as close as you can through different measurements that I mentioned earlier. Um, now, protein to fat ratios, grams. I mean, you can take the fat grams quite low, but the longer you do it, the more of a negative feedback response you'll get. So it's not something I aim to sort of continue. Um, I think things like that should be used for no longer than maybe two to three days at a time. Um, so you might do one maintenance sort of day in a week, maybe two or three moderate days, then two or three low days. Um, they're not hard and fast rules. It's not like my prescription to someone, so don't try and follow this. But um, consult with me, Stephen or um, Richard, and you'll... You'll, you'll, you'll find the right answer, basically, but that's kind of the sort of thing I'd do. Um, and how do I change that around training? Um, we always have a protein requirement. We have an, a protein balance we're trying to keep to retain nitrogen within our muscles so we can have that protein synthesis balance, basically, keeping keep things going, basically, so you don't lose muscle. Um, I like to keep protein quite consistent throughout the whole week. Um, and as I get leaner, I might raise protein a little bit higher just to satiate myself a bit more because protein is very satiating. Um, you can almost an effect, not entirely true, but you kind of can, um, get away of eating more and more protein to hit that hunger threshold um, and still cut body fat. There's studies where people have eaten, I believe, 4.4 grams of protein per kilo, body weight and still lost body fat and retain lean some good lean mass so you can do that but it's not advised um the idea is to get exactly what you need and just stick it out but like um the keto pro said if you're trying to get very lean you will suffer it will be hard it'll be difficult when your body fat's like a millimeter or something it'll be horrendous and it will test you it will test your mind it's a battle of the mind not the body i think Brilliant, Jonathan. I, I can see Casey in the waiting room, but we're going to just, you've generated a lot of questions. Uh, so that's great. So can we do this one? If OMAD causes indigestion <laughs> constipation, would you suggest more small meals with mixed fat and protein or one bigger protein meal and fat spread throughout the day? Yeah. Yeah. So it depends how much the person's eating for a start point. You need a reference value. If someone is eating 300 grams of protein and fat and they're doing OMAD, well, you're not going to feel very good, are you? Um, so you need to know exactly what that person is doing. So I couldn't give out prescriptive prescriptive advice for that one. Um, if you're doing something sensible and saying you're maintaining your weight, um, you can split your meals up a little bit. Um, ideally, the goal isn't to have 10 feedings in a day. I think you can maximize muscle protein synthesis with about four, maybe five meals, but it won't give you like much much margin of gains in terms of muscle building if that's what you're trying to achieve i mean it's, it's like fractions of percentage probably the, the main thing is getting in the protein that you need in a given day um now if you've got indigestion i'd recommend lowering the amount of protein and fat in each sitting i'm um, splitting up a little bit so first obviously do the minimal effective dose so to speak so if you're doing omad do two mad test it out give it a week um three mad four mad that sort of thing probably wouldn't go more than four mad unless you're about my size to be honest um and yeah that's pretty much it and i think as long as your protein is high enough in a given sitting you shouldn't run into any issues but the idea is you upregulate your gallbladder to synthesize enzymes and bile acid and stuff which then goes to liver which then gets dealt with that way or in a way around but yeah yeah, that's great. And um, this this could be both of you, actually. And then we get Casey in. Probably have to be a bit brief. Should carnivores train differently in the gym than people that eat carbs? No. Um, to keep it brief, no. What you may find is if you're initially transitioning, you may have a few days or weeks period where 
it will be tough. It, you might have electrolyte disturbance. You might not have the full oomph that you did in the gym. You might feel a bit dry. That's what what's kind of word that we use in bodybuilding. Like you feel a bit dry. Um, give it a few weeks. You won't know if you're fat adapted until you get to the point where you match your previous lifts in the gym. Um, so I'd say, no, your training doesn't have to change, but you might notice that your intensity level may go down because you cannot give it that welly because you're not fat adapted. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> training stays the same. Coming back to a point you made earlier in regards to um, eccentric and concentric movements, I made a similar transition a while ago. I started to concentrate on um, eccentric movements over concentric Um my timings were slightly different. It was more to four to five down and sort of two to three up. Uh, but again, it, I moved away from all the heavy compound lifts because of injury. So, so a similar story there in regards to, you know, the, the, the form and movements and, and uh, um, you know, eccentric, con- concentric movements. Uh, training, same. Yeah, I've, uh, I've always, you know, I've lifted weights the same. So, so, but what I have implemented is um, the, the amount of time that I spend in the gym. In the beginning, I was spending two to three hours. Um, education along the years has, has uh, led me to believe that this is counterintuitive because of the elevation of cortisol. Um, you know, we live and learn rep ranges change. Um, I found the sweet spot to be, you know, around uh, 12, uh, 12 sets in each um, movement, um, 45 minutes to an hour, and, and I found that I'd get all the best gains. Um, you don't need to spend ridiculous amounts of hours in there. Uh, and yeah, agree with everything else that you just said. So, yeah. Beautiful. So, so Jonathan's going to tag Casey Ruff, who's just entered the studio. Jonathan, do you know Casey? Hello, Casey. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Not very good at mirrors. Oh. <laughs> I trained chess today. Hey, chess great to see you guys. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Rich, oh, man. Uh, what an enjoyable Casey. hour. That was incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.